Hello and welcome to End Goals, an LCMS Youth Ministry podcast. I'm host Reverend Mark Keeslane, and I'm with DCE Juliana Schultz. We're here to bring parents, church workers, and lay leaders discussions and resources to help your youth ministry meet its end goal, which is young people who are disciples of Jesus Christ for life. Today, we're going to talk about Christian community with DCE Cassie Schirmbeck. If you've heard us talk about the seven practices of healthy youth ministry, which if you've been listening to the podcast for any length of time, hopefully you have, you may have heard us talk about the 40 end goals. And yes, that is kind of how this podcast got Mm -hmm. its name. Those are 40 teaching end goals that are statements that we pray that teens know and personalize by the time they graduate from high school. Now, they aren't the whole of scripture, Lutheran theology, but they are critical pieces of understanding of our baptismal faith. And in order to help youth ministries to teach these end goals, we've recruited a number of authors to write a year's worth of Bible studies and devotions that are tied to those topics specifically. And so each month in the next year, we're going to be highlighting one of those studies every month. Now, in those end goals, we have a section that highlights the importance of deeply understanding the importance of Christian community inside of families, of individual church communities, maybe with peers outside the individual church community, and then also in the worldwide church. And these people are gifts from God to us. And through our baptism, God gathers us into his body, the church. So Juliana, when you were in high school, we've talked about another place that I know, but what impact did Christian community have on your faith? I think it was, for me, really important to have a very uh, active youth ministry. Mm-hmm. when I was, especially when I was in high school. I went to a, a small Lutheran mm-hmm. school through eighth grade, but then I ended up in a really big public mm-hmm. high school. And all, almost all of my friends in high school at the school were not Christians. And so to be able to have that group of friends who we got together weekly, sometimes more than once a week, that community of people and the greater community in our church, right? Because both church worker kids, right? Having that community really helped strengthen and tie me to my faith in a time when I think my friends at school were really questioning why why would I go to church? Mm-hmm. Why mm-hmm. why was this important for me? Why were the values that I had ones that I should hold on to? How about you, Mark? Yeah, similar. I, I, maybe more than you did. I was in that same context, but I probably struggled a little bit more maybe to show my Christian, Christian identity and be a light into that location. So having a Christian community in church gave me a safe place to wrestle with those things, be reminded of who I was in Jesus, know what forgiveness was and, and have that lived out. But there's certainly a safe place too to bring those questions and have encouragement in my daily life too. And so I know I look back on it, it's one of those things I appreciate even more now <laughs> sure. being older and see like how God worked through those people, both my peers, my own age, and then also carrying adults and family and church workers who were in those circles with me, encouraged me in every step of the way and probably knew more about what was going on in my life than what I thought they knew and was able to step into some really good places for me. Yeah. Those adults, they <laughs> see, you don't know how much those adults That's know right. until you become uh-huh. an adult and you're like, oh, <laughs> yeah, uh-huh. I don't think I got away with nearly the things I thought I did. So joining us to talk about the study she wrote about valuing God's community is Cassie Schirmbach. Cassie's a DCE in Centennial, Colorado. She served in youth ministry for more than 20 years and she went to Concordia University in Nebraska and got her MA in youth and family ministry from Luther Seminary in St. Paul, Minnesota. She and her husband, Tim, have two kids in elementary school. Cassie loves teenagers speaking, listening, the Spurs, the Cubs, reading, swimming, triathlons, and worshiping Jesus. Cassie, thanks for being here today. Thanks for having me. I'm so excited. Well, Cassie, we got to hear about you briefly in the intro, but tell us something more about your vocations, your roles in youth ministry and other ministries and other things that bring you joy. You know, I was thinking about 
things that bring me joy in my vocation as a mother just this morning because my little girl had a dream that some friends came over and they weren't friends, they were cousins. And I thought that was so cool because they are like family to us. And I told my friend and she agreed. She was like, oh yeah, we are like family. So that made me feel great and brought me great joy. And then my son invited me to join him for a bike ride and invited his little sister, which is really rare. So those things brought me great joy. And here at my church, I actually work mostly with adults now. And for so long, I taught youth and I was really intimidated by teaching adults. And I think most adults are more intimidated by teenagers than they are adults. And I really didn't understand that until recently, because now that I spend so much time with, I can be a little intimidated as well. Like, oh, wow, they are cool. I wonder if they care that I'm not cool, but I don't really think they do. So that's helpful to remember. As long as you, you know, are yourself and not trying to be cool, then it's all good. But I really love talking to teenagers and having really deep conversations with them. I've found that adults kind of are boring and want to talk about deep things for like a minute and then wrap it up. But teenagers are like, let's talk about this for like an hour and a half. And I am in for that. So those are things I get to do. And they really bring me great, great joy. Yeah, I totally resonate with with teenagers and their willingness to take on some top, tough issues. I have a feeling there are some people who went to the gathering who ended up in two, three, four hour conversations <laughs> about about the world and everything in it in faith when they were with with their students. And those are really, really wonderful things to have. Yeah, not always easy for us adults at 11 p.m., you know. Right, right. right. That's what I was thinking of the timing and maybe some of those conversations. So one of the things we love to hear from from leaders who join us on the podcast is about their junior and senior high school years. Can you share for us how Jesus used a key moment or moments or maybe even people to help keep and bring you close to him in the church? There are three people that jump out in my mind immediately. And one is my former DCE and just getting to walk this faith life together with him and having someone there who was available, who could answer my questions and honestly say, like, I don't know. I've never thought about that. Let me look into it. I love that you're asking that. My DCE really brought me so much closer to Jesus and to our whole community as a church. And then we had we had vicars a lot at the church I grew up at. And we had one particular vicar who just, I felt like invested in my family and myself and my younger brother and his willingness to have that relationship with us as a family made me feel so connected to the family of Christ at my church and, you know, worthy and valuable. Like, I'm not one of the adults, but you still care about me and you think I'm worth your time. That really built me up. It meant so much to me. And then at my school, I grew up in the Bible Belt. And so there weren't a lot of Lutherans around. And I had one Lutheran friend at my school who didn't go to my church. And it was really neat to see how different her church was and how how the same our church was at the same time. And how the same our faith was, even though the things we got to do at our churches were so different. And so that friendship of four years, even though she was my chief competitor with clarinet and marching band (laughs) and concert band for all four years, that Christian friendship, I think, impacted me a lot long term. 
That's great. Good Lutheran musical competition. Love that. <laughs> I don't play anymore. I wonder if <laughs> we talked about how much you love having those long, meaningful conversations with young people. What are some other things that you love working with young people and their parents and maybe your congregation, your community, or maybe again in, in previous service mm-hmm. that you were able to have maybe was more closely linked to youth ministry, but what were some things that you love doing that? I really love listening. And when youth let me in on their life and their struggles and their problem, it is such an honor to be someone they trust. And it means so much to me. And I don't take that honor lightly. So that is so meaningful for me. But I got to do something with young people intergenerationally in my church just last week, and that was Vacation Bible School. Most of our crew leaders and volunteers are middle school and high school students. So getting to serve with them in that way is it's always so rewarding. And now the real fun begins when I get to see kids come to church every Sunday and, you know, grab mom and dad's hand and pull them over and introduce them to their crew leader and know there's this cool big kid who cares about them. I love watching that and the way it lasts. It's exciting. Yeah. That's cool. So you wrote a study for us really focusing in on the 40 end goals. And we have about eight statements that tie to community. This was kind of a big ask to go up with with kind of a broad way of, of thinking about those statements about community. But maybe just to start us off on that, why do you think an understanding and being in Christian community is important for youth ministry? I think that that solid foundation of Christian community is so important for building lifelong disciples. I think that that connection that teenagers have when they get to grow up in a church environment makes them so much more likely to seek out Christian community when they don't live at home anymore. I know when I was a college freshman at a Christian university, I was approached like move-in day by two groups of people. One group who invited me to a pajama party that was co-ed and one who invited me to a Bible study. And I realized right then and there, the decisions I make today about who I spend my time with are going to influence the rest of my four years. And I think anything we can do to ground students in Christian community and give them a safe place to ask questions when they're at home, a safe place to have great discussion, maybe even experience doubt in a safe environment where there's lots of people surrounding them who've been there before and gotten through it, to do that when people are at home before they go off will really help them seek out Christian community later and be disciples for life. That's great. I, I just think on so many of those those ways in which people are brought together, again, to lay that foundation, to lay that safe place to have those conversations, to uh, build those relationships that, again, you, the Holy Spirit will use in ways that we don't even see in the moment uh, down the line and those additional connections that continue to be to be made. I want to talk a little bit about the study. In the introduction, you talk about how teens today might experience community, community differently than previous generations. Uh, where have you seen that to be true in your ministry, and how can youth leaders work with teens today to help develop community intergenerationally in the congregation? VBS, a lot of other things that can take place, but I'm sure some of that's organic and some of that's also through some program too. So how have you seen that come together? You know, I think one of the ways I've seen it so much is just the difference in in technology. I'm yeah. not tech native, and so my grounding in community was always face-to-face. And then technology 
is like, it's like a reunion, right? For me, (laughs) but I think a lot of young people today form community in online spaces and using technology and face-to-face is more supplemental. And that's really hard for like a Gen Xer to even wrap our head around or understand. So, I mean, part of that is just listening and not judging, I think, to understand. I know kind of at this point, really a long time ago, I made a joke about a a youth of mine to her about a friend she had made online and like assumed it wasn't a real friend and Mm. it deeply hurt her. So I was so glad we could have a conversation about that. Right. And I didn't just hurt her feelings and she disappeared, but it was one of her closest friends. And I, I couldn't understand that at the time. And I think it's just a really different way of forming community and intensifying friendships and even spiritual intimacy. So that's important to understand. But I think a really great way to keep teenagers involved intergenerationally in their church is service. Like there's nothing wrong with a youth choir. I think youth choirs can be great. But man, when there are teenagers in the choir choir who are there at practice every week and know the adults around them and then you know, like my little girl grows up watching that mm-hmm. and seeing that teenagers and adults can serve God together, that, I mean, it's like proven that that is how people stay in the church. But I just, now being a mom and like watching the way that that passes on the faith to the younger generation, so awesome. So I think too, when families can serve together, kids grow up in the church and know to stay involved. And this this matters and is important. When I think of like DCEs I know who are down the road, they're the people who ushered with mom and dad for 15 years, you know, at their home church. And they serve together with their family, through their church, with their church, in their church. And now they still serve Jesus. And I love watching that. Yeah, I appreciated that, you know, in those statements we have in the end goals, we talk about family as this critical component of community. But I think I appreciated in your study that you spent time really saying, like, this is an important component of Christian community, both in how our families model that in our congregations, but also how that happens within our family as having community. How do you see that community of kind of immediate and extended family helping young people in their faith? You know, parents are so essential because they are the primary faith developers of their children. And I was so blessed to be born into a Christian family. So that was my first Christian community that I remember. Clearly, as an infant baptized at one month old, I was part of the Christian community at my tiny church in Sonora, Texas. But I don't remember that. But I remember the Christian community of my immediate and extended family, my grandmother passing on the faith to me, watching her. So that immediate Christian community, I think, really shaped me. And for those of us who are blessed to have that, it's it's you can't have Christian community in your church without it. And it's so exciting then when those families bring in other families who don't know Jesus yet and they become part of the church, you know, because not everybody grows up with that. And when we have that grounding, we are so much more able to be equipped by the Holy Spirit to reach out to people who don't know Jesus yet. I mean, it's just so, oh, God's like smart. <laughs> <laughs> 
Well, and I love that you tell the story about with your daughter about like, hey, my friends, you know, are are like cousins, right? Mm-hmm. And and I um, think having that model at, from your parents to say like your parents value their Christian community of other parents and older adults. When you grow up with that, it becomes so much easier than for you to go like, yeah, of course, we're going to value, you know, being parts of a small group or or yeah. serving together with other families because that's a part of um, our Christian community. It's, it's easier to model that when you've seen it modeled in your life. My husband is a pastor's kid. And he said, growing up in the church, he learned more overhearing the adults being yes. in the house than he ever learned in a sermon or a Bible study or by reading something. And so when we, when our kids were little, and we were in a small group at our previous congregation. That was such an important element of that to us is that the kids were nearby and could hear what was happening and be shaped by that and learn like, this is normal. <laughs> yeah. What well, gives that, you know, you know, how you live that out throughout the week and that you're taking those, the words that you hear on Sunday to heart and see how, again, the Holy Spirit uses his, the word of God to transform us through all that time. And like, I think, you know, that modeling, that word is just so important of so much of that is, you know, as we say, caught, not taught through those daily relationships, yes. those intimate relationships that happen to be there when maybe everything else falls apart to have that strong foundation to be able to point us back to Jesus in those times. And what a beautiful thing that is. So you are writing this article for the e-source, for the study for the e-source devotions obviously did a session at the gathering as well so got to go to this event where there's very much a lot of churches that have been building community but then go to this larger community looking at the church and, and sometimes the youth are getting their first chance to see the glimpse of glimpse of how much bigger the church is beyond their congregation and in one of your sessions you focus on the community of god that spans the globe why do you think it's important for youth to understand the worldwide church across time as a part of the community of god you know when When I think about receiving the gift of Holy Communion, it's hard for me to forget the first time I received communion after my grandfather's passing, because I was so richly aware that we were still united, even though he was already in heaven. And so when I think about that unity over time, I think about that unity over generations. But when I think about that unity over distance, I think that we can have so much to learn from our Christian brothers and sisters across the globe. And I think that no matter where we live, it's sometimes really hard to interpret our life experience according to scripture. And it's really easy to interpret Christianity based on our life experience and where we live. And that's limited, but Jesus is not. He is for everyone. And I think it's really important to remember that unity and put in perspective our lives. And there are things other Christians right now in other parts of the globe are going through that we can only imagine living here where we live and having the kind of freedom and access that we do. And I think to remember those that bigger picture is really important. And also, of course, then we can have a a missional mindset even here at home when we remember populations that haven't grown up surrounded by Christianity and knowing who Jesus is, people who are raised in other religions, not only here where they've at least heard of Christianity and heard of Jesus, but in other parts of the world where it's you know, this completely foreign concept. It can help us be prayerful and mindful, support missionaries and missionary work, but also live missionally here. 
Yeah, I love that. I, I think I, I appreciate, you know, that being able to be thinking about how big really the church is, especially on the cusp of, of the young people, maybe having this experience for the first time where, where we are communing with more than just our congregation or when we are able to get a more tangible picture of that somehow it, I think is helpful for us to be able to then go, oh, I can better now imagine the wow, diversity wow. And, and and see it and get an idea that this is a lot bigger than just, you know, the people who gather in my church on a Sunday morning. That was super helpful. So as you were writing this study and thinking about people maybe going forward and, and, and using it, what do you hope youth leaders and teens will get out of the study and devotions around community that you wrote? Well, I really am hopeful that youth will want to be involved in their larger congregation because I think sometimes it's really intimidating to be part of the intergenerational church and it might be really tempting to just hang out with your family or the other teenagers. So I'm hopeful that it will help people realize, you know, I'm part of this congregation and God has gifted me and I'm valuable and I matter here and I'm welcome here. I'm really hopeful about that connection, but I am also hopeful that it will inspire youth when they're 18 to stay involved in church, to seek out a local congregation at their university. I have seen how you know, 18 to 24 year olds can bless a congregation. It is like the most countercultural thing a young adult can do to be involved in their local church. It makes such a difference. And it is it's such a light for Jesus because so few young adults, especially single young adults, get involved in a local congregation. And if we can inspire young people to do that in the future, it will change generations and Jesus will work through that so powerfully. Well, certainly that that city is available up now if you want to look at it. There are four parts to that, as well as four devotions that parallel that that you can use in a variety of different ways. So Cassie, thanks so much for being here and for sharing a little bit more about that and about your ministry. Thanks for having me. This was a lot of fun. Well, this has been great to start diving deeper into the end goals yeah. <laughs> and to have some other people kind of look at them, give us a little bit more just in-depth look, practical ideas, studies, being deeper into God's word than just the statements that are there. So thankful for Cassie and certainly we'll get to meet the other writers along the way too, to be able to dive deeper into this. And so again, just seeing, I, I think, you know, again, man, just going through COVID too on so many things of how the importance of Christian community was just there for young people and for families and to keep those connections. And at the same time, some of those struggles that came along with that too, I think from churches trying to keep those relationships and, and going forward. So again, just thankful for having this studied for, again, young people to come together, be in God's word and learn about again that gift of community that God's given to us on so many levels in our lives. Yeah. And definitely want to encourage you to go back and look at that list of those 40 end goals and look at, at the, the things that we hope that young people are taking away from youth ministry as they walk into young adulthood. And mm -hmm. as Cassie talked so much about how what we learn about how God has called us into you know his body, the church and into our families and into mm -hmm. the greater church on earth, you know, how learning about those, knowing about those, deeply understanding that right. our baptismal faith in that, but then also living that out really uh, is something that is foundational for when 
they go off and now they're mm-hmm. developing their own relationships. Maybe they've moved right. away from home or they're taking their first job. They moved to a new city. And like, how do I, what kind of relationships am I looking for? Cause are they going to be worldly? Or are they going to be right. really in depth and, and supporting my, my life of faith? Yeah. And be able to help them see now too, that it, again, context is going to be a little bit different, but certainly as they go out on their own, that, you know, the Christian community is unique. It's not just another team. It's not just another organization, not just another club, but how are we teaching well? What as Christ bodies we receive from, you know, Sunday mornings, whenever worship might be those the divine service, the time to receive Christ's gifts. And then how we live that out too, like you said, as friends in Christ, as family in Christ, and how we uh, can show the forgiveness of sins to one another, live as light into this world. And just again, those unique ways that we were able to teach them in very you know specific ways, but then also to live that out and for that they kind of learn that through mentoring and other things too, as they go on into other aspects of their life. Yeah. I love that she kind of starts small in terms of community in the study and then gets, mm-hmm. gets kind of makes the circle bigger and bigger. And to be able to to talk about, and it's a topic that we don't always talk about is, you know, how are we connected across to, to the faithful who've gone before right. us who are right. in heaven now or for those uh, Christian communities across the world, many of whom are do not have some of the freedoms right. that we have to, right. to practice their faith and to start some of those really, and that can be really hard and heavy conversations. Mm-hmm. Especially, you know, I, I don't know about you. I when I was in high school, I really thought about, you know, when I thought about my faith and when I thought about the church, I thought about my very specific, mm-hmm. very small, my congregation. Mm-hmm. And maybe I thought about the other congregations in my city, but to be able to to think more broadly about our faith and what that looks like is is really powerful. Yeah, I just was talking to someone just recently coming off the gathering and they were saying like one of the big reflections of their youth was like we they lived in a not a high Lutheran or even high Christian area of our country. And even to say like, oh man, we just, it was amazing to be around other Christians in that way for that extended of a time to say like, we're not alone. We've got people that we can connect with on social media or other places to be encouraged in our faith. And so I think when we get those glimpses through opportunities to serve or just learning what the church body's doing or Christians are doing across the globe, I mean, it just gives us again, that eye to what God teaches us in his scripture about Holy Spirit loves us, brings us into his church, how it's worked through history and through people and through ch- the church just to be a beautiful full image of God's love for us. And so yeah. great to How see that. Holy Spirit calls, gathers, right. and, exactly. and enlightens Lightens. the church. Yep. Yeah, mm-hmm. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. A couple of closing questions for you to consider. First is, how can you support teens being in a Christian community that allows them to ask some of those big, hard questions about faith with warm challenge and grace? How can you consistently lift up the importance of Christian community for the lives and health of young people and their families? Finally, how can you help older youth think ahead to finding Christian community as they make that transition in life following high school? We will continue to keep you in our prayers as you, your teens, and their families build relationships centered in Christ. May God provide you with a network of relationships that point you to Jesus and support you in your life of faith. Engold's podcast is a production of LCMS Youth Ministry and KFUO Radio. To find out more about LCMS Youth Ministry or to find links to resources mentioned, go to kfu.org slash youth ministry. Thank you for listening and caring for the young people of our church.